What's the worst day you ever had in your business? I can name a few. I was a five-time award-winning entrepreneur who burned out because I couldn't give up control of anything in my business, whether it was because I thought I could do it faster or because I thought I couldn't afford it. I just refused to let anybody else in. Consequently, the business turned from a dream goal into a job I hated and I didn't know what to do anymore. In 2015, I closed my business, walked away, and started a whole new life. But I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up after that. And I realized that what I really love to do is marketing. I love to talk about marketing and create marketing and teach other people how to create value-based marketing initiatives that talk to their customers. I've done it for corporations, for entrepreneurs like you, bloggers, and everybody in between. I'm here to help you create your dream empire that gives you the freedom to create your life the way you want to do it. My name is Megan Brain. This is Stop Sucking at Business. Let's go. Hey friends, Megan here. Before we get to this episode, uh, I wanted to let you know that we are going to be mentioning a service called Harrow, and it is help a reporter out. What it is, is a free service where you can get access to uh, editors that are looking for pitches. And as someone who can't focus on anything, if they don't know what they're talking about, I wanted to tell you ahead of time. So when you hear Harrow, it's help a reporter out. You can go to, I think it's helperreporter.com. We'll put it in the show notes too. But again, I just wanted to give you a heads up on what we were talking about. Without further ado, Hey guys, Megan here. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've been talking with this woman and you're going to love her. She's super fun. (laughs) I'm here with Tracy Lamori. She is a high profile international award-winning publicist, the founder and manager of Lamori Media Incorporated, a Universal Women's Network 2020 Woman of Inspiration winner for the Women in Media Award. It's a lot of women in there. And the author of the upcoming book, Get Repped, Build Your Brand with Effective Public and Media Relations. I'm sorry, my brain died on that. <laughs> She's a lot of a words. Well, right? the words. The words are hard. Words are hard in life. <laughs> she is a well-known longtime advocate on a myriad of important worldwide issues and an award-winning international publicist working across industries from major entertainment projects to small business, and she is here today to help us get our PR shit in gear. <laughs> By the way, Tracy, you can swear. <laughs> awesome, because I wasn't, I'm not sure, and once, twice, so far the F word has never come out, but the shit did come out in an earlier podcast, and I was like, it was really contextual, like it was very much in context, and I was like, I think I'm okay with that, and they didn't, you know, but you never know, so yeah, you got to be careful. <laughs> Normally I'm pretty good. And not doing that, but they were going into like these non-business to the activist world. Just you know, we used start talking about things that you know had gotten you heated up. <laughs> so, my pre-business life. Oh, so let's start at the beginning. A very good place to start, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, how did you get involved in the world of PR, and what made you decide that this is going to be my full-time gig? 
Yeah, so that's the question, you know, that goes to, I know a lot of you, we were talking before about how a lot of your audience are people that are just trying to jump into maybe their passion to find a business. And so my story, it's kind of, I have to take well, at least three minutes to tell a short version of it because it's really hard. But, but you'll see at the end why it's actually relevant to everybody. And it's like an epic, crazy, nice story, but it's also really relevant to you. So so basically, I was, I was in marketing. I mean, and when I say marketing, I mean like I was in telemarketing. I was a low-level 20-something, you know, low-level sales, just pushing whatever the heck I was hired to make random calls about or whatever my husband was doing, some entry-level sales job. But certainly, you could not have described us as being in marketing. We were just people who would answer to that, you know, and we're like calling up the phone. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, um, and I don't, you know, selling all kinds of whatever, vacation this and ISO 9000 that and, you know, just whatever the company had hired random companies and hired us for in our 20s. But we'd also had a radio show previous to that on CAUT 89.5 FM Toronto. And the we is my husband, Dave Parkinson, and I. And um, uh, we'd had a radio show and that had ended. And so it was the early days of the internet and we were just sort of using the internet to do some of the same activist work, share anti-racism stories, stories of, you know, social justice or whatever you want to call it, just the things that we cared about and were concerned about. And I don't know how we, you know, originally we weren't looking for anything to do with the death penalty or anything of that nature that wasn't in our world. Probably, along, you know, looking at anti-racist things, though. And somehow we found this little site where somebody, people, prisoners were paying to be listed. And this guy named Jimmy Dennis was then on death row in Pennsylvania. And he was saying, I'm not here to get a girlfriend. I don't need a pen pal. This is literally the only way I can get my word out. Please, somebody help me write. I'm innocent. I don't know what made my husband and I write. 29-year-old, you know, activist. Let's see. But I remember saying, you know, how innocent can this guy be? Huh? For some reason, we wrote, still don't know why. And he wrote back 18 pages. We still talk to this day. 18 pages, both sides, all kinds of case information. Just information that was enough to go, whoa, that's enough. And then ultimately, we read way more than that, and we, you know, did the whole everything. But at that point, it was enough for me to achieve, what can we do? We're not lawyers. We're, we don't even know what a publicist is. I hadn't even thought of that. But there was, you could make, you know, pages back then on Netscape without knowing a thing about the internet. You could just type out like you can make it on Facebook now. So we just basically put all naive, everything he'd sent us on without even waiting for his permission. Everything that he, not the writing, not the type, not the personal writing, but all the case documentation and everything. And then we wrote him back, here we did this, we made this webpage, which you didn't even know what it was, but all of a sudden, you know, great, how do we get the word out about it? So I went to Alta Vista. You're too young to know what that is. But Google, pre-Google. I remember Alta Vista. I had GeoCities pages. Okay? So. <laughs> so there you go. So yeah. I, I always want to say I went, I Googled it. No, but I Alta Vista did it. How to write a press release. I'd always been a writer. I knew how to write, but, you know, nothing. And I, I learned literally on Alta Vista, templates, wrote a press release about Jimmy Dennis in 1999, tell the world he was innocent. Anyway, it was the start of a, literally a 20-year campaign that we stayed with, you know, right along. Every day we would be ones that would call. Um, when he had 15 minutes call a week, he'd call us. We'd call his mother. We'd do all the business. We you know, Lawyers ultimately came on a couple of years in who were looking for a case of factual innocence through their hard work. And, that, and that's like a unit corn right there that very rarely happens but because we've been able to make you know enough public attention when they were looking for that people directed them to the case of Jimmy Dennis and so after years of their hard work and this is a Washington law firm with seven lawyers and ultimately finally he was right and you know all we've been saying for years came true you know the, the courts finally finally agreed in 2017 he was released from death row and he's free and living in Philadelphia now this month going to court waiting for to see how much money he's going to get from from these people which is still obviously saying you can't 
take back the 25 years he lived, right? And everything he lost, and I know that because I knew him for 20 of those years and saw the hopes and dreams and how every year he thought he was going to get it. And then every year he get older and older, and then he gets out and we're 48. That's great. We could all be dead at 53. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hope not. But, I mean, they took his life when he was 21 years old. So, what you know, ultimately money means to him that he can now – do the things that he could never do before, care for his family, care for his family, do things that he was like kept from being able to have the power to do, right? But that's it, doesn't take back. Anyway, that's all an amazing story that I can't stop talking about. But ultimately, two years before he was released, if you turn, we'll go back to the business story, it hit me because it, that had developed into like bigger advocacy about the criminal justice system in America in general. And we had ended up doing more press releases, not just about him and the case, which it ended up, you know, developing a team and all that. But we got ourselves with no media or no media background, no legal background on CNN, MSNBC, Court TV, Houston Chronicle, all that. But still it took me 15 years before I sat there one day and realized, Wait, while I was doing more telemarketing calls, because I was still doing that because I could do it from home, I was lucky enough, and then I could do all this other stuff, you know, on the sly or after. So, um, I suddenly said, I'm not making one more call, you know, it just hit me, wow, wait a minute, this is a thing that people pay for, like, it just, I don't know why I hadn't thought of it before in all those years, but I had developed like, these amazing PR skills, not only getting messaging in there, but then sitting in front of the camera on a topic of, of some controversy, not, you know, not just the innocence case of Jimmy Dennis, even though people took a you don't get much attention while someone's still convicted in America. At least then you didn't. Now there's more podcasts and everything. But just on the whole justice issue. And there we were, not lawyers. not We were on CNN, literally. We were talking. We were on, my husband was on the Nancy Grace show, arguing with Nancy Grace and whatever. I was like, so we were like being talking to lawyers, talking, and never once were they ever like, just who the hell do you think you guys are anyway? Never once. And we were 29, 30 years old from Canada in our basements, talking about the whole American judge and being heard, you know? So it finally hit me. Yeah, you know what? That's some pretty good PR. <laughs> and we're pretty good at that. And it just hit me. I could monitor that. And so I started literally the next day by going to, you know, we can you know, freelance site, which was like Elance or Upwork or whatever it is now, and just doing I always say life's a pitch, not a bitch. It's all a pitch. It's all about how you present yourself. And then in those t times, I went low to get a bunch of clients liking me and working with me and did really good work. And, you know, ultimately, th that was only eight years ago. And eight years ago, I had to borrow $20 from my friend because my account was less than 50 bucks, and I had a kid. And, you know, I'm scared that I'm not going to have enough money at the end of the week. I remember it so clearly, literally eight years ago. And then we did five years. You know, I did a few years of a freelancing. And then five years where I went and said, okay, this is going to be a business then, and called it a general partner. I'm sorry, went and got a general partnership, which is like a sole proprietor, but with two, and had that for five years, just built and built and built. And then in the age of COVID, all of a sudden, at the beginning of the year, 80% of our work was lost, like everybody, all the public speaking, all the traveling, all the entertainment projects. So I'm like, oh my God, in March, what the heck is going to happen? All this thing I'm building, it's going nowhere. I'm going to be getting a job at McDonald's or something, right? But then all of a sudden, you know, after about a week, I stopped being scared, stopped watching the TV and all the leaders going like this, and they don't know what they're talking anyway, and we're all just in a daze. And I just said, if I, if I lost 80% of my work, I still have 20. And so go back to my desk and do that 20. And suddenly that just grew. People recommended you. Other people were, you know, thinking of things that they could do 
to pivot themselves and then I could get in there to promote it and just I ended up sailing through it okay and and then we incorporated in October so now we're hoping I'm hoping that we can become job creators because I seem to be able to continue to get contracts it's no matter I can't do more than I can do so I'd like to jump into that it's almost I'm thinking now maybe that's almost it's a, almost like could be an activist in that way by you know giving creating and educating people about this job you know, I don't want to necessarily hire someone who's been to school for five years for it I might maybe they can come out and teach me about the TikTok <laughs> but I also <laughs> but I also would like to just hire somebody like me who's just really capable and sees that, that it will be an awesome job and you know they it doesn't have to be someone who's gone to school it could be someone who just so anyway the end of the story is whatever you do or whatever your passion is you have skills that you probably haven't even thought about monetizing yeah, and it's not just words really like things that you've done in your life or a hobby you have or whatever that could be part of that life that you really truly want to live but we, we never take those steps so just don't be afraid to get in the mix because half of everything is just getting in the mix and talking to people about it well I think that's a really good segue into what I wanted to talk with you about about you know you're one of the angles that you really hit is building your self-esteem so um, it has a ripple effect to build a brand and a community. So um, I think that, you know, you hit on the insecurity of charging what you're worth and monetizing your skill set, like knowing you can do things to be paid or not. And so I think that that speaks to a lot of people, especially me, because it's it comes from an insecurity place right of just like oh my god you're going to this is this can be a transaction i i know how to do this that's weird and so how do you coach people into becoming more self-confident so that they can grow their brand and get out there so yeah basically and i speak with like hugely every so from from women who've never even thought of themselves being in media or who just starting their businesses to, you know authors who just wrote a book and self-published it to women who are hugely accomplished you know with long lists of accomplishments that none of us could you know deny and i work with all of them and all of them are the same in some ways even those hugely accomplished women they're very commonly they'll say to me you know, they'll give me other lists of other credits and then i'll write like a nice article or a format about nothing not one word of a lie just literally putting it together like an article the way you're used to reading about other people and i swear three of these women have said to me oh tracy you made me sound so good and i'm like which word in there wasn't you like it's, a, it's what i mean it's all it's because they don't see their own accomplishments they think i made them sound I didn't make them sound anything I just put it in a format where they could see it all laid out the way they read about other people you know and when they're reading they're like oh my god huh, look at me yeah I'm pretty but we don't think of that you know but even so so and whether you're at that level or whether you're um, just starting out in something or you even just have an idea of a business or and I always say I don't care what you do for a living even if it's whether you're an entrepreneur or you just have a message or a story you know whether you are made at a hotel whether you mow lawns for a living I can get you media opportunities talking about your job you're an expert in those things there are things that you know that are part of your world that are not part of the common knowledge there are media opportunities within that field and also outside of that field explaining you know whatever aspect of things 
different things that, and it's a skill to kind of see the stories in some of those. Like, it's not always easy. There's your product story, which is pretty advertorial, and you have to learn the difference between advertorial and editorial before you even think about reaching out to media. Then there's your own story, like why are you there? Why are you part of this? What speaks to you? That's maybe a story there. And then there are other opportunities to get into media, like other aspects you could be thinking of, like those other parts of your life, you know, that me, they, they could be entry into media, talking about those things. And then as they introduce you, they're obviously going to introduce who you are, and they may do, your, your business might be just two lines in, in that article, but it could be two lines in, you know, Glamour, or two lines in the New York Times, or this month alone I got one of my clients in the New York Times and Reader's Digest without even trying to put out their own messaging. That was just responding to those, you know, those matchup services where media reaches out when they're looking for sources for particular upcoming articles. Right, like Hero, yeah. Like Harrow, exactly. It was actually from Harrow that, you know, that I got the last one. And it was in the middle of a podcast talking about some of this stuff. And 10 minutes before the podcast, I had emailed a Harrow reporter about my etiquette expert client. It was in the New York Times one. No, it was the Reader's Digest one. And she literally, I was doing the podcast, and they came back, oh, yeah, we're putting it in. And I, I was not a word of a lie. I'd been talking Harrow a minute before. And I was like, for example, right now, because <laughs> it really does work. But, you know, I mean, it also cannot work for people. It's a numbers game for the best of us. Mm. And, and number one, without a speed, you got it, because they're not going to go back and rewrite their article just to insert your amazing quote that you took three days to write if they've already written their article, right? And then the second thing is the pitch. Everything is that pitch. You know, number one has to be concise and what they are looking for and then make sure you're m more about you. You know, the more about Tracy is really strong too. And it'll get considerably stronger as you have more things to add. But even if you don't have a whole bunch of media stuff, just make it strong and compelling per your expertise, per your little different angle that you might, you know, try not to give them a cookie cutter answer that they're going to get from the other 20 people responding. You know, like give quality content and that's the way to get the coverage and something like that. Well, so going, starting at the beginning, let's say that I'm an entrepreneur, uh, I'm ready to really dedicate myself towards getting my name out there, becoming a brand, becoming a personality, but I suck at writing about myself. I suck at talking about myself. I suck at writing about myself. A lot of people have that problem, yeah. Absolutely, and I think, myself included, I mean, you know. <laughs> I can market the shit out of anything, but then it's my turn. When I have to market for myself, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it feels weird, right? <laughs> we get into that, like, so how do you do it? Yeah, so, so how, do you, how do you craft a story about yourself? So it's really hard to explain that in a general way because every story is different. But really, you know, and so I've gotten to say, and I don't want to sound like a PR pitch because I'm not here to, you know, to sell PR. I'm, or I am here to sell the idea of PR, but not me in particular. I would say, like, if, if we were talking to people that had budgets and could do whatever they wanted, not spending a million dollars, but if you have a marketing budget, any kind of marketing budget, for example, put it aside for a month and see if you can <laughs> – most most PR the problem is most PR companies. I don't, maybe in COVID they might be a little cooler, but normally the big PR companies are three thousand a month, three months minimum. That's the way they work. That's the way they start. Like a lawyer, you know. And it's 
it's even you know even for all of us whose businesses are doing okay but we're just little businesses where that's a big investment you know and it's a huge PR tool that I would love to have that would help my work you know considerably if make it if me a third less busy probably but it's like fifteen thousand dollars and even this year when they offered it to me for five thousand dollars I was like that would literally wipe out what I have in my account today tomorrow I'm gonna have more in there but you know it's like it's still cash flow, you know. So anyway, what I do is, I, like for me, for example, I try to make it affordable so that I could say to an entrepreneur with reason, don't do marketing for one month. Give me one month, even if you never hire me again, so that I can craft that thing for you and so I can get some of those media opportunities for you because at the end of the month, not only will you have those opportunities, but you'll understand, this the part that answers your question, how you'll be thinking differently. You'll understand, number one, you'll have that pitch that you can use, but also, more importantly, you would have an understanding of how you're being pitched, what they're seeing in you, and what they're pitching in you. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't see that story in yourself right now, it's hard for you to, to just counsel you how to write that pitch. I can tell you how to write it, which is one to two paragraphs, concise, compelling, not a, just a resume, but you know, some of the highlights of your life, right? Resume, whether personal or business, both. But also, don't just, like, say, Tracy is an award-winning international publicist, you know, if you are pitching it to media, like you want to talk to your local media, include with them three, give them, like, three potential pitches. We're not talking about Harrow here. We're talking about you reaching out to media. Not pitches, sorry. Three potential segments. So you would say, Tracy is a publicist, blah, 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 international, blah, blah, blah. She can speak on you know, building your brand and then building your community. She can speak on what is a power woman. She can speak on, you know, so then they can see, oh, yeah, that's nice. I could see that little segment from my breakfast television show. You know, you want to, like, give them, you don't want them to have to be ever reading your press release trying to figure out why the heck you're sending this to them. Or as, uh, people often write, like, too many things, three things in a press release. It's one main idea. What do you, what's the news here? What do you want me to know? <coughs> You know, and then you have to really edit yourself, especially as entrepreneurs. Again, editorial versus advertorial. Advertorial is everything you're probably thinking, which is, I have the best product, it's this, it's new, it's different. That's not going to play. Don't send that to the editorial because they're never going you know, to the editor. They won't, they won't open your next release. You're going to be like, and that's the value of publicists too, is they open those releases because they trust us to be sending them something, not necessarily they're going to say, oh, I'm going to print it, but that they, we've already gotten past the barrier of, yeah, this is newsworthy, this is past the muster of being appropriate for your audience, and now it's just a matter of if the editor is going to pick it up or not, you know, so. Do you think that entrepreneurs, so, you know, originally we were talking about entrepreneurs who are new to the marketing or PR or things like that. Do you recommend that they start going for local TV segments or something? Or do you think that there's a lower barrier of entry, like start doing guest blogs or what? There's all of it. It's really a comfort level thing. Like if you're a person who is comfortable with a camera in your face, you know, like, and you, because you have something to say, you are an expert. That's a matter of understanding that you're an expert. What's your, do you, I, do, you know, you know your stuff. You already know your stuff or you wouldn't be in business starting a business. You know what I mean? So whatever it is, you know, you know, if you're, if pet store owner, you know that aquarium stuff, you know that you know what so you have certain things that you're comfortable talking about think about what you would talk about if you if I was to give you a camera sorry not a camera if I was to put a mic in front of your face and put you on stage and say tell these people what you do you know what would you the, the stories that you would tell be those could be potential segments if you were writing a book about your work those chapters could be potential media segments right so if you can conceive of things like that see yourself in 
oh, this is what I would talk about, this is what, then after that, it's only a matter of what's your comfort level, do you feel, you know, and some people don't have the personality for that, and it's not a comfort level thing, it's just, they would rather not. You know, some people prefer to, just like some people learn from reading, and some people prefer to watch. I, you know, you can do both, but you may just not want to be, I mean, maybe you're more of a writer than a talker. Some people are both, but find something where you can, you know, have your voice heard. And ideally, like, if you can do, if you can, you know, get your head around, I mean, half the media opportunities are more written even than, unless you're doing really well. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that, no, because I mean, on the local level, there's a lot of talk radio, there's a lot of, but in terms of the Harrow, and there's a lot of entry into being quoted easily on a national level, and there's a lot of, and, and a good way, too, is there's, it's the thing, is there's things you just don't, we don't know as entrepreneurs that we don't know. To me, it sounds so easy, because, for example, there's a series, Authority Magazine, which is related to Thrive Global, which is Huffington Post's new thing, right? Or not new, it's five years old, but Arianna Huffington's. So they have a series, about a hundred different series actually, over a hundred, where they feature people across industries that are doing, you know, extraordinary things. But all you gotta do is pitch yourself. And the series are really broad. Some of them are like the one they did about me, which is inspirational women in Hollywood. Some of them are like Meet the Rising Women, star or leaders of real estate or the women of the cannabis industry or they're not all women even. I'm just saying some of the ones we've done recently. But but there's also things that are like really broad. So almost anybody can fit into one of them. As long as they're accomplished and have a good story, there's an opportunity. Like they have, you know, meet the the black leaders of the C suite, meet the women of the well women in wellness. I mean some really like you know, so almost anybody can look through and find something that they can qualify for. And then it's just a matter of the story. So at the end of those, you can't pay to be in them. It's about the pitch. And at the end of those, the article is only about you. It's like, as part of our series of rising leaders in real estate, we sat down with Jane Smith. And then there's a big picture of Jane Smith, 20 questions. And then Jane Smith goes and puts that on her real estate site or whatever. When people search her name, that comes up in SEO. 100%. All of her clients are sharing that. Look, this is my real estate agent. You know, and it just absolutely elevates her. And it was that, it's that easy. It's literally there for the taking with the pitch. You know, they're, they're covering, not like people doing, you know, things that you can't do, just people in business doing good things, saying good things, doing their little thing in their part of the world, and they're getting a national feature in that. Then you get one of those, and that really boosts your potential of being chosen on those arrow things we were talking about, or getting, you know, the good podcast guest appearances, so it's just a matter of, or, or the guest blogs, like you said, even Medium, most people don't know, you know, that Medium is not Huffington Post, people think that Medium is something, you know, where you have to submit it and there's an editor, because it looks like professional, like a magazine, but it's, you can just go to Medium like you do on your Facebook and put a picture, and it looks like a beautiful article, now if you write a good article that's worthy and that starts to get reads on their platform, that could be catapulted to the front of the page, and all of a sudden you have 500,000 views, you know? But even if that doesn't happen, you put that on your page, and that starts to create the, you know, the, the impression of you as the thought leader. And it builds you, your confidence of you as a thought leader. It, you know, now you've written your nice article, and you're like, yeah, that's actually really good. That's, you know, legit. Now, that's a, a basis right there. That could be a segment. That could be the segment you're offering to the radio, that medium article you write, that chapter, you know, in your book that you're dreaming of or that you've written.
it's just a matter of seeing yourself as, you know, a content provider as an expert. And no matter what you do, so get away again from that looking for advertising because that's what they suspect you of doing when you approach media. Business stories are the hardest place because they want you to go to the ad department. You're in business, so are they. So it really has to be a story. So you have to be, you have to edit yourself and ask yourself 10 times, is this really, am I, if I'm the editor, is this really something I'm going to even consider putting on my 22-minute news broadcast? Or is this not, doesn't go there, but maybe it's a good lifestyle piece. Maybe it can be into the, you know, so there's, some, or like you said, your local television, your local um, newspaper that are mandated to cover, or even your local weekly, those are really good too. They often will take uh, op-eds or another way to do it is um, similar to an op-ed, but an op-ed is only for one paper, is write a royalty-free article, just like a guest post, but a royalty-free article, and submit it to newspapers, 800, 850 words, say, hey, feel free to use this. And you're, and then you know they may or may not use it, but sometimes they do. And I had submitted one of those on um, to one client who wants to start writing about mental health in the black community. Uh, he's the host of Black Fathers Matter podcast, and his second project was to start speaking about mental health issues as a black father, as a black man, and how in the this age that we're living in, and how it's exacerbated and all that. And hey guys, Megan here. How are your conversions doing? Are they maybe a little womp womp? I am here to help you with this exclusive free training about two phrases you can use that just boost your conversions like kapow. But there's a catch. It's totally free, but you have to get it in my Facebook group. That's the only place it's available. So to join, join my Facebook group. No. <laughs> Joining my Facebook group is totally free. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash Megan Brame. Once you join, you'll be able to get access to the training that shows you two stupidly simple phrases you can use to add oomph to your conversions in your marketing. It's going to blow your mind. And I am so excited for you to check it out. Again, facebook.com slash groups slash Megan Brame. I'll see you in there. So he wrote an amazing essay, and we were trying to get him interviewed about it, but I thought maybe it'd be easier. Why, why don't we see if we can get a place, that whole essay. It's a nice essay. And not only did one Prosperity Press in L.A. picked it up, but also um, Toronto Caribbean, which is the, the biggest Caribbean magazine in Canada, Canada-wide, not only picked it up, but they said, oh, if he's willing to write royalty-free articles so not to get paid, but we would love him on this topic to write, you know, monthly. So now that's the topic he wanted to start presenting himself as a speaker on. And now he's just got a monthly column in Canada's biggest Caribbean paper record to talk to exactly the audience that he was looking to talk to at the same time, build himself up. Now he, we can pitch him internationally. He's a columnist that's, you know, writes on mental health in the black community. That is so, Concord. Um, just quickly on that part, you said that, you know, create royalty-free articles and submit them to papers. Can you submit it to multiple papers, or do you do you think people just start with one and see how see if you hear so anything with, and then wait? With the op-ed, the op-ed is the one thing. The op-ed is where you, like, you have to submit to one and then wait seven days and see if they're going to answer or they're going to not print it. And so that's frustrating when you have a timely one, right? Because we had an issue we were dealing with, we were dealing with, my client was a lawyer and dealing with federal executions. 
that were just happening. And so we couldn't wait. So we wanted to get this message. Yeah, we couldn't wait seven days for the New York Times, seven days for the Washington Post. You know, we needed to know. So in that case, that's when I said, well, why don't we do instead a royalty-free article where they can print it as they wish. So it's not exclusive to them, right? So it's not, but if they want an exclusive, here's my client ready to talk to them. It can, they can interview him. They can do a whole, it's just another option for them. That way, if they do want to cover it, they just want to throw something in there. Mm -hmm. It's a good piece. Like it's good. It has to be well written and written like an article, not like a, you know, not like a PR piece, right? Yeah. Um, it has to actually be worth, worth, worthy of being read by it. Um, and then if they want to throw something in there, but they don't have the newsroom capacity for it in terms of a, a you know, sending someone like that's a, in some ways a press release is dead, even though we still use them, because the pre old school idea of a press release is here's three or four lines, interview my client, write your article. We still hope that, <laughs> but I mean a lot of it now. I've also had my entire press releases, you know, the for immediate release removed and the content information removed, and that just put put in pretty much as a royalty free article. So that's what gave me the idea. Well, if we're going to do that, clearly they'll take an article that's written from Bob the expert, you know. So yes, yeah, so if you. But that's the difference that you know op-ed like the you know the first choice will be like an op-ed in the Washington Post or something that's a different thing they want first an exclusive and then but there but there are other opportunities like you know the same paper may also take a royalty free article not for their opinion piece not for their op-ed but as as you see what I mean because op-ed is submitting a different thing but if you're just submitting it as hey I'm not say they, they have staff writers and they have freelance writers and they take into so you, I'm just submitting a royalty free article on behalf of my client you know so we don't want any money but there you go so you're gifting them with free content if it's amazing content of the quality you know like of something that they would write and the style they would use and everything and it's not like advertorial again so if you want to get your client if you want your client to be in there they have to not be talking about their company being the solution to everything if their company is even mentioned they should be mentioning three other solutions that complement whatever the issue you know has to be a real article it's better it's for more uh, about building authority as exactly got it. stay okay. away from that product thing and it's, that it's better if you're talking about an issue or something that your work or your expertise makes you an expert in than it is about you really breaking down you know you you're better off just staying away from anything that looks like it might be an ad especially if you because most entrepreneurs are gonna have trouble with that you know so just stay away from and the difference too the thing about the difference is so basically editorial when you break it down if we're just gonna break it down by word to remember what it is right editorial is when ultimately the journalist and the editor like, you're giving them the idea you're pitching the story you may even be giving them the article right but ultimately the journalist the editor ultimately decides what gets printed and what that article looks like. So you give them the idea, you have no say, I mean, if they agree to print your article, they're gonna print your article, maybe with a couple edits. But when, when you give them a press release, for example, or you tell them about a story, then you have no control over the story anymore. You don't control it, it's not an ad. Advertorial is when you, you know, you're writing the ad, and they put in that, that what, what you said, and that's when you pay for it, and that's when you're going to that department. So if you wanna have that kind of control, and you think you can just talk about whatever, no, you're not getting that from the news department. What do you get from the news department is a spotlight on you. Think about you as an expert. And I use the example of a book, but it's the same with a product. You know, if you're only, tw if you're putting out a book and you're thinking about selling your book, well, only 20% of media cares about your book and gives a shit about any books. Only 20% of media is ever gonna talk about 
what any if, if that maybe five percent. So how do you attack the other part? Well, the in, in fiction is different, but talking about a nonfiction book of any topic, well, you're an expert, and what the ninety-five percent might talk about is the topic, is how you're an expert. You know the related things that book makes you an expert in. Those are the media opportunities to get into that ninety-five percent of media that is never going to talk about a new book out. So your press release shouldn't be, you know. Jane releases new book ever, unless you're sending it for book review, right? But they, but people think, oh, that's the news. I've released a book about whatever. Nobody cares. The release should be if your book is about, you know, you know, the cannabis industry. Jane releases a new book about the cannabis industry. Nobody cares. No expert on cannabis industry can speak about how COVID, blah blah blah, about what. Like you have to draw it into something right now, and then the book is their calling card of why they're the expert, and the book will get mentioned, and you know. Obviously, because it's part of why they're so you're not though that's you have to look at the opportunities, and it's the same if you're an entrepreneur to sell you as an expert and think about you. And that goes back to your original question about talking about ourselves and how do we feel comfortable doing that, right? But a lot of that is just you know, the confidence. Do you know that women always say that to me constantly? I don't feel comfortable, and I work with about 65% women. Sometimes 70, it just depends. People recommend me to their friends, so it's, it changes all the time. But I would say right now, it's probably about 65% women. And I've been in business for 10 years doing this, and I don't think I ever remember a man, a guy ever saying to me, oh, you know, I just don't feel comfortable with the spotlight on me, nor do I ever remember a guy saying to me, oh, you made me sound so good. So it's something about us women that have, that have to feel comfortable, and not all of us, because not everybody has to do it, right? If that's really not your zone, but also maybe it should be, because you know I'm the fat girl. I used to do over the first ten years of our activist work. Ask my husband, my friend. I say this now. My clients were like, "What?" They were literally shocked. Almost fell off their table when I said this at lunch one day, because I was saying when we used to do media for CCADP and the death penalty work. I was awesome. Dave was awesome. We were both really good. Anything you threw at us, we could do whatever. But I would not do TV. Uh-uh. Because I did television once, court TV, and I saw it later, and I looked awful. I was like, oh, my God. And I would, even to this day, I will never play that one clip. I thought, you know, it's so I was, I'm like, to this day, I won't play that clip. Please don't go find it, people. <laughs> but um, now they're all going to be like, ah. But, um, um, you know, and my, my husband would always have to do the TV, period. I would do all the radio. I would do, we'd both do print. But TV would call me. That's great. He'll be down. At, you know, I would just not do it. And then it wasn't until we were, we'd, we were in a small town. We were starting to, my husband was doing some more television. We, and I was doing back behind the camera and, you know, helping put it together and producing and everything. Um, because it was activist stuff, like free community TV. Anybody could do it and there was nothing to do there. So we went and did the training and he was doing. And then the election came and we had the opportunity to do the activists and now I'm getting excited with the opportunity to interview all the local politicians of all the parties and do the whole election piece ourselves without having anybody so I was like, ooh, that's kind of neat to produce that so he did two of the parties and I had to do the other two and so I was like okay I guess I'll do the interview and it was all and then I saw later and it was okay it didn't look that bad and I started to get confidence about it he says wow from that moment it was like I don't know what I created. Now you're just like media girl, <laughs> but it's true. I wasn't confident about my, about my looks, right? So we all have something which we don't talk about, whether it's our looks or just we. I think I stutter or my teeth look funny or you know, no one's paying attention to those things. The guys aren't even say are never saying those things. The people who are watching you aren't saying. Honestly, the men don't say those things. 
They don't. I don't. In my experience, I'm, I'm not just saying that. I can't think of one that has said that. And yet, I can think of so many women, from beginners to you know, literally power women beyond you know in the arts, blah blah blah, who express that. Oh, I feel shy about you know putting myself out there. So what is that, and why? You know, why do we feel like when we that we're bragging? Why do we tell ourselves I'm bragging or I'm you know? I stop people right at the beginning, even in our first conversation before they're working with me. I'm talking to really accomplished women. They're like, oh, but you know, I'm not good at promoting my you know promoting. They don't say promoting my support. So when they say they just minimize what they're doing. They they seem like embarrassed of having like one lady. She's nonprofit for 20 years, doing amazing work, elevating other women. And we're talking about how that work should be. You know, in, we should talk about that in media, and then she's like, "But I don't really like talking about myself." And I'm like, "Stop talking about yourself. If you were there talking about yourself, you know, you'd be in Hollywood trying to be a, a, a actress for the last 20 years. You've been elevating other women, doing real work. So shining a spotlight on that work you're doing is shining a spotlight on the. It's not saying, "Look at me, look at me." It's like, "Look at this," and you're the face of it, explaining it, which gives it more power, and you know, so. Don't feel like bad. Don't shrink for, you know, whatever you think the expectation should be, because really nobody else has an expectation. When they look at you being powerful and your power, no one's like, oh, look at her daring to do that. No one. Everyone's like, oh wow, Jeez, I wish I could do that, and they can too. And you could be the conduit to make them, you know, realize they could too. Well, we're running out of time already. So um, before we, I want to ask you about something you talked about earlier, which is. Um, creating the authority and being the expert. So I think that a lot of people, women especially, get intimidated by that by picking a topic and picking a expertise or a niche or, you know, how do you recommend people find, I guess, a creative way to create authority of some kind of subject? Like, do you recommend people start big or do you think, like, the, the niching down is so much better What's your preference? So really everything is comfort level and I would make a strategy call, like call literally at the beginning of the conversation with the person because I know how possible everything is. Like I had one client who literally right off the gate, again, luck, you know, it was through Harrow actually. She hired me one day, but she's 26 years old, zero media experience ever. She's a life coach, mindset coach, like a million other people, good at what she did, but how do you differentiate yourself, right? So she thought if I start telling my story, That'll make a difference. People will see that I overcame it, and you know. So she said she wanted to share a story of bipolar. And literally the next day, I got her in Good Housekeeping magazine. By the luck of the draw, Hera was looking for 25 to 40 year old women willing to share their story. So her first media hit was Good Housekeeping, American 150 year old magazine, the one that you see at the drugstore. And so for the next two years, and still to this day. She's gotten more and more, like 50 media appearances now from that client. And that was literally, she paid 200 bucks, you know, because I gave her like a two-week deal because she didn't, she was like 26 years old with no, you know. I just thought, oh, that's a story. I can help you with that. I didn't know I was going to get good housekeeping the next day. But I mean, boom, you know. <laughs> but you see what I mean? Right there, so she had nothing. That was like, you would have said, someone might have said to her, oh, start small, write a blog. And that would have been a great way to start. But there's no reason, at the same time, Good Housekeeping didn't care about that she had no media. All they cared about is she's honestly willing to tell her story. That's what they were looking for. And that just happened to fit perfectly in that because that was, it fit her business thing. That's not rare either. There's a million opportunities like that. So it's not necessarily go small or even have a strategy to go small. Or go big. I would say more 
just go big in here. Realize that the world is literally your oyster. Look for all opportunities and don't think because it literally could be tomorrow that you get the I got my other client she's a hairstylist you know hero again Oprah so Oprah magazine you know the other like so these are things that are career building then you can tell everybody for the next two years as seen in Oprah now you're like considered an expert by everybody you're way elevated people are picking you a million times more than they're picking the other guy you know and it, and it didn't take a whole bunch of lead up it's just literally you saying, hey, you know, I'm willing to be there. So everything is being present, you know, just being willing to put yourself out there. And half the barriers are not, there's nobody outside saying, oh, well, you have to do this, this, and this before we give you that media. There's just a whole bunch of media to pitch. Life's a pitch. And every journalist is just one person. It took one person that said, well, that's a good story with the New York Times, you know, and, it, and that's all it is. So, but, but there's nothing wrong with starting small either. If you prefer to just like, if you're more comfortable, you know, just kind of getting your feet wet, there's a million ways to do that and to build your profile without having to have a spotlight shine on you really. Just start slowly, you know, with the meet, write a couple blogs for your own, on your own for Medium, right? You know, Google, I mean, Google's an ama amazing thing too. Google whatever your industry is, guest, podcast, you know, you may find, a, submit guest, find opportunities, Google these things, you know, and things will come up, awards in your industry, you'll be surprised what comes up that you've never heard of, and everything's about that pitch, so get that pitch, like, if, you know, seriously, if you can afford, you know, a little a marketing, a tiny PR budget, talk to a publicist, tell them all I really need is a pitch to understand how you frame me, it's COVID, they should be willing to work with you, or come to me, I work internationally, I would love to, like, you know, even just get someone down that road, just get someone down that road of, like, you know, even if they don't need the full service PR, but I'll help them write that and just talk to them a little bit over a few hours and, you know, maybe we'll do a week together where at the end of the week they have that pitch and they have some ideas where to go with it if they want to spend the, the time and the legwork instead of having, you know, somebody do it while they do their business. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's also what can you allocate, what should you allocate, what shouldn't you do, you want to reinvent the wheel and some things you can do yourself. And if you have more time than money, it's a good idea to do those things yourself, right? But other things, if you're getting busier in your business and money and time are starting to be equally valuable, then it's maybe a good idea, to, you know, to take some of that budget or to take a little, you know what I mean, and have someone else do that, frame you, and literally you'll see if they're good, which they should be, I mean, hopefully magic will happen. The one thing to just make sure they get you, <laughs> understand you in the project, number one, because you can't serve everybody. And, you know, we're, especially in Canada, we're all generalists because our population is smaller, so I have clients across the board, but it's all something I understand. I get their message, I feel it, you know. If it's something where I'm like, you know, they're telling me your story and it's happened before, and I'm like, yeah, I get it, you know, like I totally understand, I could pitch anything, I could make a story, but if I don't feel it, or if I'm feeling weird about it, or if I don't, just don't like it, you know, yeah. then I'm probably not your publicist, and it's, it's not even ethical for me to take that project, I don't think, though I've never heard other people say that, because I'm not going to be doing a great job, I don't understand it, because I'm not your audience, I want to be that audience, you know, if I understand it, and like it, then I'm like, oh, I know where that audience is, and what they care about, and how to reach them, and all that. I talk too much. No. Hey, that's your job, man. You're good at your job. Right. <laughs> so I need I need PR help. I I know that my time is valuable. I need somebody talented to do it. I'm coming to Tracy. 
what kind of work do you want me to do ahead of time before I reach out to you? All I really need is, I mean, what the first thing I'm going to ask for is for someone to send me everything they got. So if they've got it, if you, I mean, really, I'll guide you. I mean, I guess, you see, as we talk, I'm, people say you're like a life coach. As well, not a life coach, but like a rah, rah, you can do it. So a lot of people I find that's the only thing stopping them is their own self. So I can help people do that work, too, about just figuring out, like, is it time for me to go to media? Really, like, if you want to call me and talk about, you know, absolutely. Like you, that person listening, they're specific. I'll call them and we'll, we'll talk about what we could do for them specifically without commitment. Like just continue this conversation that you're having here so they can just hear it and be like, okay, Tracy, what would you actually do for a, you know, hotel clerk like me, you know, <laughs> right? Um, with a goal. Um, so kind of lost track of the question there. What work do you want them to do before they come to oh, you? Oh, yeah. So I would definitely be asking them for their bio, for them stuff that I can write about. Like, I, I'm going to write a better bio, a punchier bio, but I'm going to need to know something. I'm going to want them to gather up that information. So basically, I want them just to be ready to tell me whatever they want to share with me, and the more the better. And it may be more the personal stuff, please do, because you never know what's going to strike something. You could be thinking of it just as a hobby or whatever, but I might think of it as something I could see a media opportunity that comes in from that hobby that actually will shine a light on this. You don't know, right, what I'll see or what will be. So just be ready. Uh, you know, uh, and, and again, like, I, you know, everyone, no one's ever really ready. It's like, are you ready to have a baby? No, you do it, and then you see that you were ready, right? So sometimes if you wait till you say, if I say be ready to talk to media, people are going to be like, I'm not, and they're never going to call. You are ready. Just be, be ready to go into, like, to realize you're an expert. You know, like, call on your expertise and be ready to start speaking about it. And maybe that's going to be, it doesn't have to be a media with a big camera. Maybe we'll look at, you know, some people are scared of media and they come to me and they actually, after they agree to work with me, then they're like, but you know what, like, I really, I'm, I don't know what to do really because I don't, I'm not comfortable with media, like, just coming and putting a camera on me or something. So then we, that, that's when we work, we find other ways and the writing and the articles and the Harrow and eventually usually they come to another comfort level because they see those, once you've done that, you build that level and now you see you're being taken seriously as an expert and all that. And then if I pitch you to a radio station and the radio station says they want you on and then you're a little bit surprised but you're like, oh wow, I guess I really am an expert. And you know, ultimately, but, but I mean, everything can be to their comfort level. Like if someone just doesn't want to do it for some other reason, we find other ways. There's always, you know, other ways other than just, you don't have to always be the same. Hi, it's me and I'm representing the company. We could also find ways to tell the story of the company without your face if it's an, an entrepreneur story too. Maybe we're going to use the face of somebody you've helped in your company or another kind of a, you know, one of your customers that you sell their problem and that's how we tell that story with a face on it. You know, so there's always ways and that's where the strategies come in but you know absolutely again if, if anybody has any kind of marketing budget just take it put it aside for a month and just try it out see if you can you know put an ad out somewhere on the call anybody have p i mean there must be people out there who are at home working and would take on but also i will too like if i don't want to advertise myself because i'm not saying me but i i, I want to give the advice that i think people really need and if you understand what i'm saying when i say pitch and you know put those things together and you're like yeah 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 i can do it then do it yourself and you're good you know again all you got to do is two to three paragraphs a couple of segment ideas 
most of the media is available to find with research of who writes about what, find out who writes what, make sure you're reaching out, you know, pay for some of these match-up services. You can do a lot of this yourself if you want to invest that time away from your core business. So that's where you, it depends, and some people do, it depends where you are at in your journey, right? I'm now, I'm now in the part where, no, I've got to be like outsourcing stuff that I don't know how to do because I have to be doing what I do for my clients. But some people are still building and they don't, you know, they have half a client but still have days to build. And so research and network and tell people what you can do and, you know, talk. If you can't write that pitch, do a lot of this, talk maybe. Do networking as much as you can. Everybody is at home doing the same thing right now. Not necessarily being a podcaster, but, you know, everyone's at home wondering what the next step is. So send an email, reach out on LinkedIn, see who you can connect with. Don't be shy is what it comes down to. So when people are ready or they want to take you up on these exploratory calls, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way that you prefer? So they can reach me at lamorimedia.com on my website or find me on Facebook, Tracy Lamori, where I think I live. Um, Instagram, Tracy Lamori PR Media. They can text me at 289-788-5881 and request a meeting. And yeah, I'm very accessible. Sometimes you have to, you know, make to book it a week a week away or five days away or something. But I'll get it in the calendar, and uh, yeah, we'll get you in the mix. By the end of the call, you'll likely be excited because I'll tell you like some real world ways about you. You know, I'd be I'd be shocked if somebody called me and I didn't have a way that I could pull out like three factual actual things that I could tell them I could do for them that week if they were to take the jump. And if they do again, you know, if you just want to try it for a month, I'll give you my special, I heard it on a podcast <laughs> special, <laughs> you know, I just thought of that right now. But no, because I talk a lot about, you know, try it for a month, right? And I know I don't want, if I send you off, you're going to be like, oh my God, what was she talking about? It's too expensive. But honestly, I really want people, because I think a lot of you can do it on your own. Once you have that pitch, you know, it's just a matter of how much time. Do you want someone else to do it for you or do you want to invest the time finding the opportunities? Because if they don't know who's behind the pitch, when, once they create it, who's sending it, it's the pitch now doing this work as long as someone's sending it, right? So even if you hire me for a month and let me create that for you, help you build the basis, get that article for you in authority that I, you know, that I can do, get a couple of this and that. So by the end of our month, you're likely going to want to renew or you'll be recommending me to your friends because that's what people do. But if you don't, like I honestly legitimately would like seriously in the, within that first month by the end of that month not only will you have those media opportunities but you'll have that little pitch I won't keep it I'll give it to you that explains you know more about Tracy more about you that you can then use and that then it's going to be with all your new things that you just got added to it but then you can use them to to do more so it's a really good tool to have in your toolbox well before we go is there anything we haven't covered that you want people to know about no, I guess that's it. Just um, other than listen to music, we mentioned Jimmy Dennison, the whole Death Row story. So he's still making, he's actually making music right now. And he has a brand new song he's featured in Rolling Stone called Tears This Year. Just because we've all had a bit of a year, you know, with the COVID and the whole, and the Black Lives Matter and the horror tragedies of this year, you know. And then, yeah, whatever. I guess it's not over because, yeah, yesterday. Anyway. Oh, um, <laughs> By the way, so we're, we're recording this in January. So yeah, we're talking about sorry, the yeah, I forgot about January. Yeah. 
but but tears this year, you know, the year that just passed, that everyone has had a challenge, and people are still in there in that same headspace. Where are we going from here? What's going to happen? So it's like a little gift to the world, and I, and that's where I want to end. My site is great if you want help, come see me. But tears this year by Jimmy Dennis, and I joke, you know, 20 years I was talking about him getting him up to death, I can't just stop now. So we'll end it on Jimmy Dennis. Tears this year. You know, from death row to hopefully the Grammys. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> thank you so much, Tracy. No, thank you. Hey guys, Megan here. Just a reminder, I have regular Q&A episodes coming out. So if you want your questions answered, head to meganbrame.com slash ask a question, all one word, and you'll be able to get your question posted. And if I feature it, you will get a copy a free copy of my book, Day One, A Practical Guide to Launching Your Business. So again, head to meganbrame.com slash ask a question. And if your question gets featured, I'm sending you a free copy of my book as a thank you. On the next episode. And 2020, if they didn't have a list, there was no other way for them to make money because they couldn't advertise. Right? So for whatever reason, and some of those people, like there's people like a guy named Dan Henry as an example, his entire Facebook account was completely shut down. He had no way of promoting, no way of doing ads. And I know it took him like more than six months before he could do anything, right? Before he got his account back or changed his account or whatever happened.